Well, good morning. Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and it is awesome to be able to come together and celebrate what God is continuing to do in and through us, even in this place in Springfield, Nixa, Ozark, the Ozark area. We get to do some cool stuff for Jesus, and, and my hope is that we are, we're, we're serious about it. We're in the season of Lent, which is this season of doing, uh, of growing more and more into the relationship of Jesus so that we can be the people that God wants us to be. And my hope is that we're all serious about that. We're going to be taking a look at that starting next week. We're going to be on the I Am series, like Pastor Suzanne said. Uh, but today we're going to wrap up the series that we've been on for a while called Not In It to Win It. This is actually the last week of Not In It to Win It. It's a book by Andy Stanley. So I just wanted to say, if you're new here, hey, you're welcome here. Uh, whether you're joining us online or in person for the very first time, we're excited that you are with us because we believe that God is moving in and through us. We're not waiting for a movement from God. We're living in it. Uh, and we're experiencing what God has in store for us and what God is calling us to and how we can be the church for Jesus, how we can live boldly in the Spirit of God, how we can love people where they are, and how we can join together to take our next steps on our spiritual journey so that together we can be more like Jesus, so that together we can be the people that God has called us to be. And so whether you are new here or you've been here for years and years, welcome and, and let us be excited about what God is doing because uh, we're all very familiar. We're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ, and we want to be more like him. The, the Not In It to Win It book is written, like I said, by Andy Stanley, um, and, and the whole idea is based out of what, hap what we have experienced from 2020 on until today. Um, and so I said at the very beginning, hey, uh, this series might chafe a little bit. It might be uh, something that makes you a little uncomfortable. I'm just going to remind you, I am not going to tell you which way to lean politically. That's not what this is about. What this is about is saying, hey, we need to get off the edges and we need to get back in the middle because we are the church of Jesus Christ and we need to live for Jesus and we need to love people. And, and that's kind of our thing as, as Christians. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so let's do that. And what does it look like? And we started by saying, hey, uh, since 2020, it seems like our, our friend barometer has been broken. Uh, here in, in Missouri, you know, weather changed. We had two nice days in a row. It was crazy. Uh, now we have snow coming next Friday. So who knows what's going to happen here? We know what the barometer is all about. And it seems like since 2020, actually a little bit before 2020, our our friend or foe barometer has gone uh, out of whack. We need a, a, a we need a tune-up so that we can be in relationship with people that we don't necessarily agree with. Uh, that that we need to recognize that God is doing something powerful and, and and that we need to be a part of it. And then we said, hey, week two was we don't need to be a part of culture war Christianity where it's us or them uh, that that they are the enemy and we need to be victorious because. Quite frankly, Jesus says, I love you all, and I want you all to be a part of my family. And, and so that's what we talked about week three was the new thing, this new family that Jesus has invited us to. And so in order to, to focus on all of those things and to wrap this up, we need to know what is the most important thing we can do now. What, what's most important now? What does it mean for us to, to really believe Jesus and to live into the hope that he have for us? What does it mean to, to really be a part 
of this family of God and, and what it looks like. And I have an illustration that happened. So I, I may not look like it, but I really enjoy riding bikes. I like riding road bikes a lot. I go long ways on a road bicycle sometimes. Um, I, I go really long ways. I did 100 miles. There you go. I know. At one time, it was crazy. Uh, I thought I was going to die. I did not. Um, and then I preached the next day, which was even more fun because they thought it was hilarious because my legs didn't work. Um, so I, I've been into bicycles for a while, since I was a little kid. Uh, and my, my, I remember in the neighborhood that my kids grew up in when my daughter, who is like 22 now, uh, when, she was, when she was about six or seven, uh, she, she wanted to bike ride with me. And she had this purple Barbie bicycle. Uh, it had, you know, the, the ruffly things on the, on the handlebars. And instead of a horn, she had a button that she could press that made the sound of the wand from the fairy godmothers. So she could ride around and be giving magic out to everybody while she's riding her bicycle. Uh, we were riding, and the neighborhood we lived in was kind of a, a smaller neighborhood, uh, and it didn't have a lot of traffic in it, and so we kind of ruled the road when we were riding bikes. And so my son and my daughter and I were, were riding, and we rode up this one road that she had never been up because it had kind of an incline. And she was smaller, and so, you know, you had to work twice as hard on your Barbie bicycle. It didn't have gears or hand brakes. It was just one of the old school bicycles. And so she's riding up the hill, and she makes it to the top. And she was so proud of herself. It was a moment of victory. And we turned around, and, and that's when, you know, we start going down the hill. Now, again, it's no gears, and so her little legs are just pumping like mad, going 90 miles an hour, and the problem is, is that she's going faster and faster, and I, as the wise parent, recognized my mistake. We didn't have a conversation about how to slow down, and now we need to talk about her slowing down, and so I said, honey, you need to slow down a little bit, and what does she do? Does she just slightly put on the brakes? No, absolutely not. There's no fun in that. She jams on the brakes. The back of the bike is fishtailing. And in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have just broken my baby. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I can see what's about to happen. I know what's happening. And so I'm trying to launch myself from my bicycle to get to her so that I can, and in my head, I grab her and I save her and I'm suddenly running 18 miles an hour. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I would have done any of that. Uh, and it didn't work out that way. She goes over the handlebars, and she's wearing a helmet because I believe in helmet safety. Uh, and then she smashed her chin onto the ground. And so I take my shirt off, and this is uh, my, uh, my nurses that were in the first service were like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And I shoved it onto, onto her chin just to try and stop the bleeding. And I run back home, and I tell Alex, just throw the bikes in the yard and the helmets and just wait for me. I'll be right back because that was the way you get out. I ran back home and I, I jumped in the car and I grabbed a shirt because I didn't want to be that guy at urgent care. Um, and so I, I grabbed a shirt, drove over, picked up Alex, and we, we went to urgent care. And we got to urgent care and, and you know, when you carry an, a, a, a small child into urgent care and you're holding a bloody shirt on their chin, they let you in pretty quick. It was pretty amazing. I went straight back into the back and the doctor walks in right after the nurse has done all of her things. The doctor walks in and I, like every parent before me, in that moment, I asked the, the question that all parents want to know when their children are at risk. Are you a Republican or a Democrat? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does that. 
The reason is because it's not important. In the moment, what was important to me not wasn't his political views, was his competency. I didn't even care if he had passed an exam to be a doctor as long as he could take care of my child because I had broken her on a, on a hill riding a bicycle. And I was so freaked out by it. I didn't care who was in there. I, I just wanted somebody to tell me what I needed to do and what I could do to help my daughter to be whole, to, to keep her from having... And, and like, I told that story during the first service, and after first service, I had like 12 people come up to me and tell me that exact scenario, like the... the going over the handlebars, splitting chins. Everybody's got a story like that because we've all experienced it. And if you have been a parent on that side, you know what was important was important. In an emergency, what is most important becomes most important. I threw a bicycle that was worth a lot of money into somebody else's yard just hoping it would still be there. Actually, I didn't even care if it was there because what was important was my daughter, not my bicycle. What was important weren't my kids' bicycles. It, it was the safety of my daughter. And so in an emergency, truly, what is most important becomes most important. And the problem we have been having is that, that we have lost sight of what is important as followers of Jesus. We have lost sight of what we have been called to as followers of Jesus. Uh, in an emergency, we, we are focused, but outside of the emergency, we can let trivial things divide us and separate us and put us on opposite ends of a spectrum. And, and what, what used to unify us now divides us. Do you remember, some of you are going to definitely remember this, but do you remember back in the day when being American was cool? Like we were all American, right? All of us. And we still are all Americans, but now it's them or they instead of we're all Americans. Now, I'm not trying to elevate America in, in some nationalistic view above everybody else. It's just what we have in common because we have lived here for a while. We've grown in this area. And, and now, now, instead of that being unifying, now it's not are you American or not are you, are you part of this thing we're doing, but instead it's what part of the American political system or what part of, of this view are you on, and, and that's what separates us. What used to strengthen us now separates us. And we've all experienced this. We've seen articles on it. We've watched news articles on it, uh, things that just boggle my mind. Families that cannot, maybe you're a part of this, families that won't talk to one another because of their political differences. Like, families have been broken because... Somebody wants to vote for somebody and somebody wants to vote for somebody else. Friends are divided because of differing views. And now, if you have a different view than me, it's hate speech instead of the reality of we have some different perspectives because we come from different ways. Now, some things are still hate speech. I am not saying that there is nothing that is hateful that is being said. But what I am saying is not everything that you disagree on is hate speech or co-workers hate other co-workers and here's why because of their stance on things that don't affect them their stance on abortion or civil rights or ethical dilemmas that philosophers have been philosophizing on since philosophers first existed that was just fun to say i'm not gonna lie 
Uh, it, it really is just this mindset of, of uh, uh, we're going to find ways, instead of finding ways to unify, instead of finding ways to be united, we are looking for ways to show who is out rather than including people in what God is doing. And, and, and what we have been called to is to build God's kingdom. Uh, Jesus said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, and we can say races and sexes and all of those things. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I have told you concerning me. Teach them to obey me and to love me so that you can love others and make a difference. And, and, and instead of that, we've gone from the kingdom to what's convenient. We've gone from what matters most to the kingdom, to what matters most to me. What matters most to me? What, what is most important to me in this moment? What, what, what will make me the most comfortable? What will make me the most happy? What will make me the most whatever it is you can fill in the blank? And unimportant things, things on the outside, things that truly in the emergency would not be a part of the conversation are now what we're allowing to divide the kingdom. In, in the book, Not In It to Win It, Annie Stanley says this, Consider the non-Great Commission critical issues we have allowed to divide us. Everything from climate change to critical race theory to COVID masks and vaccines. I mean, just on the vaccines, is it three doses or two doses or no doses? Who knows? I just wanted to be Dr. Seuss for a moment. We really have no idea what, why, why is it that that is the core of, of what we're going to allow to divide us? Why are those things, things that we're going to say, if you think one way and I think a different way, you are the enemy, instead of saying, maybe they've gone through some different stuff and have a different perspective and understand things differently, and maybe, just maybe, I can love them anyway. If we really believed in the Jesus of the Bible, you know, that Jesus that loves impossibly on the cross, he offers forgiveness to those who are crucifying him, the Jesus that forgives unimaginably. We're talking about a different kind of Jesus than one that allows for his church to divide and be divisive just because it's uncomfortable for us. And, and so I want to I mention this and, and have us think through this. Shouldn't we be seeking the unity in the church itself and with a relationship to the world that the same Jesus we're talking about prayed for us to have? Now, one of, one of Jesus' first disciples, the Apostle John, says it this way. He's quoting Jesus in a prayer. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me... <laughs> there he goes. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Now, I, I don't know if you catch this or not, but the unity that he's praying for isn't like, hey, we're united in our love for the Kansas City Chiefs. Right? That's not the unity he's praying for because 
that could be uh, that could be different levels of unity. What he's saying is, I want them to be so united, just like the Father and the Son are united. The unity in the Trinity that has been united from the beginning. So Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to be united in that way. I want you to be so united that it's impossible to do things outside of that union. That it's impossible to do stuff that's going to break apart that union. And Paul echoes this. He writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, and he says, hey guys, I want you to know how to get along in this new thing that we're doing. I want you to know what we need to do in order to do that. He says this, always be humble and gentle. Maybe we should make this our mantra for social media posts. I don't know. Be patient with one another, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptisms, one God, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. The unity that Christ is praying for is that same unity that is being echoed by Paul saying, hey, don't forget, you are the church, the body of Christ. You cannot be outside of union with each other. That's like telling your arm, I don't want you anymore. Right? It doesn't work that way. It's still a part of you. Unity can be hard, but that's the work that we are about as the church because we are on mission that, that we have been called to, the mission of making disciples, the mission of loving people where they are, the mission of taking steps toward Jesus together so that we can be the people that God wants us to be. We, we should be united in our mission and purpose for Christ. The question really is, how? Because I can stand up here and we can talk about unity all day long, but unless we live it out, unless we truly embrace the idea of what it looks like to be united, then we're going we're gonna to stumble again and again and again, and we're going to fall short of what Jesus has in mind for us. And so I'm going to turn again to Paul. Paul has a letter that he wrote to the Hebrews, and he says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd, of witnesses to the life of faith. Since we're surrounded by others who have come before us, since we're surrounded by those who are now living their faith fully, let us strip off everything, every weight that, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. <laughs> Paul's saying, hey, it's not about being selfish. It's about being selfless. We need to realize that we need to get away from all those things that hinder and divide us, and instead, let's focus on what's important, what's most important now. Not, not what's on the outside of the importance that we could focus on if we weren't focused on the important, but let's focus on the important things. And maybe this is good news for you, or good, a good idea for you, because maybe, maybe the struggle that you're having comes because of things that you read on 
social media or that you see in the news, maybe this is a time to just take a step back and be like, you know what, I'm not going to let that be, be my central focus. Instead, I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to focus on the thing that matters more than anything else instead of all of the things on the outside. Paul continues and says this, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Not just our race, but the race that God has set before us. The race that has been going on since Jesus' resurrection. This idea of kingdom building being at the forefront of everything we are after. The race we are continuing that, that was started so long ago and, and we are just one in a long line of the building of God's kingdom. Those faithful men and women who paid everything so that our faith might blossom that it wasn't even their lives that they were worried about protecting. It was more important to be a part of God's kingdom. When we get the mindset of King Jesus, that we live in God's kingdom right here, right now, we're not waiting for God's kingdom, some future time where we can experience all the holiness that, that is going to come to us in the new creation, but live right now for the kingdom building mindset that God has called us to, it changes the way we look. Living in faith like one of the apostles and, and so many others that have come before us and laid down their lives so that we might have faith. So that we might have faith. He continues, we do this by keeping, this is, this is his key for how to stay united. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Have you ever noticed that you look where you, where, wherever your attention is, whatever you're looking at, that's where you go? Uh, have you seen Have you seen the videos of people walking into like fountains with their eye, they're looking at their phones and they walk into a fountain? Right when I when I when I talk about bicycling, I have to be careful on my bicycle because whatever way I turn my head is kind of the way my bicycle wants to go. And I, I think it's true for everybody that we go in the direction we're giving attention to. Whatever we're paying attention to, whatever we're focused on is what we, we do. And, and Paul is saying, hey, if you keep your eyes fixed on Christ, you're going to move toward Christ. If we keep our eyes fixed on Christ, then the things that are, are separating us become on the far outside because we're looking at the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And the truth is that our faith in Christ cannot and should not be reduced to a point of reference in our lives that we know some biblical quotes, that we know some religious undertones, that we show up to church because it makes us feel better. And instead, it should be the cornerstone of our life. Christ should be the thing that holds us together and propels us forward. Christ draws us into relationship, not so that we can despise one another in that relationship, but so that we can be a model for what is to come. So that we can surround ourselves in love and grace, and so that we can demonstrate what a life lived for Jesus can look like. We can demonstrate the birth 
of the new creation that God has got in mind by, by living fully for Jesus right here and right now. And, and it means that we knock off the polarization, this idea that, that we are the only ones that are right and if they disagree with us that they are wrong and on the outside. And instead, we need to get back off of the edges and get back to the messy middle where things get done, where we might not agree, but we're united. We're united in the things that matter most. We're united in a love for God. We're united in a love for neighbor. We're united in our purpose for serving God. And and what unites us? What is at the core of that unity? Love. Love is what binds us together in the body of Christ. Our love for God, our love for neighbor, our love for the kingdom purpose with which God has endowed us with so that we can go into the world and make a difference for Jesus, so that we can love people where they are, so that we can share love and grace even if we don't agree with them, even if we think they're off their rocker, even if they are on the other side politically. It doesn't matter. Why? Because we serve King Jesus because we live fully for the kingdom of God. And we need to, we need to be where we can talk and love and even disagree so that we can figure out how we can live more fully for Jesus, so that we can move toward Jesus. So how do we do this? What are some, some things that we can truly do to allow ourselves to do this? And for me, I don't know if you have realized this or not, what I do is I just put up what I think works for me. And if it works for you, that's great. If you need to do other things, that's okay too. But first and foremost for me is I need to check my motive. What is it that I, why is it that I am I'm planning or thinking or doing the things that I am? I need to check what motivates me. Is it because I'm being selfish or is it because I have a kingdom mindset? Is it because I'm, I'm focused on me or is it because I really want to do something for Jesus? So check your motives, and that should lead into checking your actions. Sometimes, instead of acting uh, with plenty of time to think about it, you react. If you're anything like me, reactions really tell where your heart is rather than just your actions. And so if you react out of fear or out of hatred or out of anger, you need to check those and, and, and seek God so that, that we can work through that together so that all of us can be made more like Christ. And Finally, we need to check in with Christ. I, I've had so many conversations with people who, who say they're struggling to be able to, uh, to get along with a neighbor or... That wasn't me. Maybe it was. All right. Uh, to get along with their neighbor or to, to be in a right relationship with somebody that they're having a hard time and... I have found so many times when I ask this simple question, the answer is no, or not often. How, how often do you pray about it? How often do you spend time in God's presence saying, hey, I need your help with this? Uh, I've found that most people are embarrassed that they feel the way they do, and they don't feel like they should be able to feel that way, and so they don't talk to God about it, like God doesn't know already. And so it's an opportunity to say, God, I'm really, really struggling here. I really don't like this person. I really can't stand this perspective. I really don't understand this point of view. Help me to love them anyway. 
Help me to get past it. Help me to get over it. Because we need to get this right. Because what unites us is far greater, far greater than what seeks to divide us. <laughs> it's not just culturally, but politically and ideologically. We need to let King Jesus be at the center of our lives so that we can pursue him with everything we have. If we want to serve King Jesus, we need to get busy loving our neighbor and living for Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Holy God, you know my heart and just how, how difficult it can be to, uh, to embrace the, this mindset of unity, to, to open up and say, I, I'm going to love you anyway when I think I'm right. And so God, we come here today confessing our brokenness and our need for you and our desire to be more like you. So be in us as your Holy Spirit moves through us so that we can be made more and more like Jesus. During this season of Lent, um, during this season of preparation, while we wait with so much anticipation for Easter, God, we just pray that you would be doing a work in us, that you would work in our hearts and in our minds to unify them to your purpose so that we can be united not just ourselves to you but as this community of faith as your church global that we can say if your heart is with my heart in line with jesus then take my hand and let's go toward jesus together let's be the church that god has in mind let's love people where they are and let's make a difference for jesus we pray this together in the name of god the father son and holy spirit and all of us agreed and said amen <laughs>